Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Good morning, beloved family. How are you doing? I'm so happy to be with you. It's very dark and rainy here in Tulsa, but the sun is always shining. As Oh, and I had to think how to spell that. <laughs> the sun of God is always, always shining. You know, uh, we have on and off been talking about uh, education and the vocation of parents to raise and nurture their children in the faith, not turn them over to society to learn sex ed or anything else. Um, it's the home that uh, needs to do that. Um, and uh, we've been talking about the evil uh, coming in through the government. And I'm not saying, I've, not, I've never said don't send your children to public school or don't send them to Catholic schools. Many Catholic schools are becoming quite bad and corrupt concerning the faith as well. Um, we've had the examples. We've had people uh, calling and emailing on this program, but there's much, much else beside, of course. Um, I'm not telling you, you not to send a child to a Catholic school or even a public school, but what I am saying and stressing is that you, mom, dad, will be accountable when you stand before God for raising your children in the faith. If you turn them over to evil, you, the school, will not be responsible. The church will not be responsible. It is your vocation to raise your children in the faith. The schools and the churches, uh, individual parishes, parishes, the church as a whole, will be accountable, is accountable for God to God for what they have done and failed to do. But it is you, the parents, who have been given the vocation of raising your children and nobody else. If you turn them over to a situation and you're not um, cognizant of that, you're not, uh, you really haven't looked at the books and the materials and you didn't realize how bad it was, that is going to be your fault. You will not be left off the hook for that because you need to realize that. Hmm? <clears throat> you need to. And so we've had, um, I think a few days ago, uh, an email uh, from uh, Dear Soul, it may have been Joanne, I forget, who said that um, the public schools now, or rather the government, is is advertising homeschooling. And she said it's terrible because all it is is bringing the evil into the home. If we're going to take our children out of school, they will get into the home. They will do whatever they can to destroy the family, and that's by by getting at your children. After that program, I had a dear friend call who had watched it live and said we have that here in Oklahoma as well, in Tulsa, Oklahoma as well. We have the government offering free education for the home, but all it is is public school education in the home, and it is, um, what is the word she used? She said it's socialism. It's communism. It's terrible, beloved. So don't be fooled by free schooling or free homeschooling. 
if it's run by an organization or government, um, it's it's just a backdoor plan to destroy your children, to destroy the family. Yesterday, I saw an article uh, from Crisis Magazine. Uh, I get a subscription to Crisis online, and I, I certainly recommend them. Um, and they had an article in yesterday's um, online uh, mailing, and the title is the Islamization of public education continues apace. The Islamization, Islamization, that is to make everyone is uh, a Muslim. And so uh, I'm going to read this article to you. It's in the public schools, beloved. It's right, it's already in the homes. Many people have bought into this, and they don't even know it again like the frog in warm water. He's very comfortable. When the temperature goes up, he can adjust. His body is made to adjust until he boils to death without knowing it. That's what's happening to our society and to the family. This article reads, On October 15th, the U.S. Supreme Court denied a petition presented by the Thomas More Law Center, and you might, that's a Catholic law firm, Thomas More Law Center, to hear Wood and Arnold, Wood and Arnold, um, a case brought by Calais Wood, a Christian student in the 11th grade at La Plata High School in Maryland. Wood refused to take part in a school exercise she felt would deny her faith, quote, by making a written profession of the Muslim conversion prayer known as the Shahada. Quote, there is no God, it says, small g, there is no, this is what she'd have to write out, there is no God but Allah, and Muhammad is the messenger of Allah, end quote. Um, The Thomas More uh, Law Center argues the school violated the First Amendment's establishment and free speech clauses when it ordered Wood to do an assignment that she could not complete without violating her Christian beliefs. The teacher then gave her a failing grade. This is insane. This is... It, it, I used to watch as a young girl uh, Rod Serling's Twilight Zone. This is Twilight Zone. You don't need cameras. You don't need uh, studios or expense or actors. This is Twilight Zone come to Earth. And the author of this is Mario Alexis Portella. Um, He's a priest. And Oh, I hate when they put names without... It is Father. They do say Father. My mistake. Father um, Mario Alexis Portella. Uh, Father Portella is a priest of the Cathedral of Santa Maria del Flore, and he's Chancellor of the Archdiocese of Florence, Italy. He was born in New York and holds a doctorate in canon law and civil law from the Pontifical Lateran University in Rome. Um, he's the author of Islam, Religion of Peace, question mark, The Violation of Natural Rights and Western Cover-Up. Okay was published in uh, 2018. I'm going to read this article by this very good uh, Catholic uh, father, priest, who knows what he's speaking about. And Father Portella says, this is not just a violation of the First Amendment, but an ongoing, albeit subtle, 
diffusion of Islam in our Western society. Well, in all due respect, Father, I don't see this as being subtle at all. It is astounding to me that that got into the school. The article goes on, the teacher's actions were originally condemned in court by the high school's uh, content specialist, Jack Tuttle. Um, Richard Thompson, uh, the, um, let me see, uh, Thomas More uh, Legal Society's chief counsel said he is not aware, quote, not aware of any public school which has forced a Muslim student to write the Lord's Prayer or John 3.16, which says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Dr. Portella says the Fourth U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that the teacher did not violate the Establishment Clause, astonishingly, for asserting her right not to profess the Islamic faith as part of her public school's curriculum, Wood was also forced to view a series of pro-Islam PowerPoint slides, including one casting aspersions on Christians, which said, quote, most Muslims' faith is stronger than the average Christians. Well, I would believe that. My goodness, you don't you don't see um, um, uh, Muslims in a Muslim country with a few Christian students in it, if they allowed that. Um, you, don't, you don't see that, uh, those Muslims being forced to read, to write the Christian um, statement of conversion. It would be... They wouldn't even think of it. They wouldn't even listen to it. What's wrong with us? Um, let's see now. Thompson, uh, Wood, Wood and Thompson is this, yes. Uh, content specialist, uh, Jack, um, no, Richard Thompson, the uh, Thomas More Legal Society's chief counsel, he points out, under the pretext of teaching history or social studies, public schools across America are promoting the religion of Islam in ways that would never be tolerated for Christianity or any other religion. That's what I just said, but I'm reading the article with you for the first time. It's disappointing that the Supreme Court did not take this opportunity to clarify the test which lower courts should use when ruling on establishment clause and free speech challenges to public school classes on religion. You know what? It is not just disappointing that they didn't do that. One day, this country is going to be taken over by the Muslim religion, and no one is going to be able to practice anything else. And it's going to be the fault of the courts. It's going to be the fault of the government, the fault of blind people, who are either afraid or have lost their principles or their courage. And um, 
Richard Thompson says it is is not only public schools that are giving preferential treatment to Islam, however. It's happening in higher education, too. Last month, American left-wing academics were up in arms about the threat by the Trump administration to cut federal funds for a program promoting Islam that may violate the Constitution, promote anti-Semitism, and advance ideological priorities that are meant to indoctrinate rather than educate. The program in question is run by the University of North Carolina and Duke University. The Duke University of North Carolina Consortium for Middle East Studies received $235,000 last year from the government for a program to promote foreign language instruction in order to prepare students for careers in diplomacy and national security. Instead, an investigation disclosed that the program unfairly promoted the positive aspects of Islam, but not those of Christianity or Judaism. Moreover, a conference put on by the program titled, quote, Conflict Over Gaza, People, Politics, and Possibilities, end quote, featured a rapper who performed a brazenly anti-Semitic song. Oh, beloved, don't be blinded. Don't be blinded. Don't let your children partake in this. Your child, if he's made to watch a series of videos on Islam as a punishment for not writing down the statement of Islam conversion, he needs to have a, a an iPhone with him, or rather an Android or a, a cell phone, and he needs to text his parent immediately. Let him excuse himself and go to the washroom and text his parent, and that parent, whether they're at home or at work, needs to get in their car go to that school, walk into the classroom, take their child by the hand, and take him out. And if the child is expelled, two and two is four, take your child out. Don't you dare let your children go through that um, abuse. Psychological, physical, religious, they cannot be made to do those things unless you parents allow them. And when the child comes home and you didn't know about it and he tells you what happened in school, you should not allow him to go back the next day. Yes, you can go to the principal's office with him and discuss it in case the principal doesn't know. I doubt that. But if the principal didn't know and he finds out through you and he does not immediately stop the teacher from doing that, you take your child out. You, you say, what am I going to do with your child? What my child, I'm working. You're going to save his soul. That's your job. You're going to save his soul. I don't care where you put him for the day. Take him to work with you. Quit your job. Do what you have to do. You need to save his soul and not turn him over to the devil until you work out your situation. No. The priority is his soul. I'll continue with the article. This is a complete contradiction of the left-wing position 
of the American Civil Liberties Union that has thus far made it clear that the Christian religion cannot be present in any way in the public school system. This stems from a 1963 Supreme Court case, School District of Abington Township uh, versus um, Shemp, which ruled it unconstitutional for public schools to mandate religious activities. The activity at issue was reading the Bible. And yet, as the radio host Tom Wallace pointed out, it seems that any other religion is acceptable. Have you noticed that, beloved? Have you noticed that any other religion is acceptable? Have you noticed that when certain children come home and say, um, I know this has happened in many Jewish homes, um, that they have learned about Jesus and they uh, are coming to believe in him, the parents throw a fit, be a Buddha, be a Hare Krishna, be be an atheist, be anything but not a Christian, not to believe in Jesus Christ. You see, the devil has it down. Okay. For the most part, um, um, Father Portella says, for the most part, they do it under the guise of teaching world religion. Hello. (laughs) World religion. No, 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 no. Uh, Judaism um, uh, wasn't the first, well, the first world religion, no, is Christianity. That's the only world religion is Christianity. When they teach about Christianity, they teach on the persecution of Christians by Christians without any historical context. They teach that the Crusades were a great sin of Christianity In fact, the Crusades were, for the most part, Christians taking back land that had been taken by the sword of Islam. Many open-minded, quote-unquote, open-minded Americans who remain willingly ignorant about Islam, that's the point, willingly. At this point, it is such an encroachment, beloved, it is such a threat. If you are ignorant about Islam, Suppose you see uh, or hear a particular mosquito that is causing uh, death by its bite. You want to be up on that. You want to make sure your your children are protected, right? This is the matter of their souls. There's nothing more important. Many open-minded Americans who remain willingly ignorant about Islam, tend to forget Justice Anthony M. Kennedy's opinion in Lee v. Wiseman, 1992, which ironically should sustain the Thomas More Legal Society's petition. Kennedy said, quote, Even for those students who object to the religious exercise that is a part of high school graduation, their attendance and participation in the state-sponsored religious activity are in a fair and real sense obligatory. Though the school district does not require attendance as a condition for receipt of the diploma. (coughs) 
excuse me. <clears throat> in a dissenting opinion, Justice um, Antonin Scalia, he was magnificent, argued he's dead now, the coercion that was a hallmark of hysterical, listen to me, I, I think that was a proper mistake here, the, the coercion that was a hallmark of historical establishments of religion was coercion of religious orthodoxy and of fin- financial support to for, by force of law and threat of penalty. And this is exactly what happened to Miss Wood. Just two little paragraphs left, beloved. While it is disappointing, well, that's a very mild word. It's, it's, a, it's um, outrageous, it's astounding, it's terrible. While it is disappointing that at least six Supreme Court justices refused to hear Wood versus Arnold, we should not be surprised since in the North Wall Freeze there is a depiction of the Prophet Muhammad holding the Koran. The sculpture, Adolf Weinman, uh, Weinman, with the government sponsorship, created the image, even though Muslims generally have a strong aversion to sculptured or pictured representations. uh, Sculptured or pictured representations of their prophet. The intention was that Islamic law, Sharia law, would integrate into a free and democratic society. Those better versed in Islam's 1,400-year-long history know better uh, than that. That's it. There's, that's the end of the article. Um, it's upon us, beloved, and... Your child comes home and tells you these things, and if you say, I'm going to make an appointment with the principal, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, and you take it so lightly, you are, um, um, you are, you are destroying, oh, please excuse me for yawning, you are destroying your child. If a child comes home and tells me that, if I were its parents, its parent, I wouldn't make an appointment with the ch- ch- the uh, um, the principal. I would call him and say, "I need to speak with you today." I would march into his office, but I would not let my child back in that school until the situation was rectified. You're putting your children through torture. They're being used as guinea pigs. They're being indoctrinated. Not only are they not being taught Christianity, but they're being taught. An evil, evil, evil system. Uh, what else can I say, beloved? Uh, dear parents, you are given a vocation to raise a family, yes, but not to have, you know, mother and father to work and have a beautiful home and costly things and be able to enroll your children in every possible um, sport and all of that and for you to go to health clubs and is there anything wrong with those things of course not but there's everything wrong with them when they become the priority for your abandoning your vocation as parents 
no matter what you need to do, no matter what you need to do, beloved, you need to get your children out of the public schools. You need to get them out, or at the very least, you need to look at all their textbooks, all their homework, and even ask to sit in on a couple of classes that you're not sure of. Uh, What will you do when you go to heaven? If you go to heaven, if I go to heaven, what will we do when we stand before God and the child has left the faith and the child has been abused psychologically uh, in every way? What will we tell God? Well, we had to work and God will say, you did not. You did not. Your husband's salary was sufficient. He's only going to say this to some where that's the case. Your husband's salary is sufficient. Yes, but if I don't work, we can't save up for their college. We can't save up for vacation. Then don't. If you cannot find a way to work at home, don't save up for college. What, you're going to ruin them in public and high school and send them to college? You've already ruined them. And you say, no, I haven't. The schools have. You have by sending them there. If I send my child to a Satanist, and I'm not saying schools are... are, um, Satanist institutions, but they're becoming so in some cases, beloved. They are. They have Satan, Satanic clubs where they don't even allow Christian student clubs. The time is upon us. We need to raise our children, and we need to raise them for God at any cost at all. There's the music for our break, beloved. Um, and we will be right back after the break, and it's a good time for you to call in with anything on your heart. Toll free or text one 511 in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living, a program that brings you real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. Visit thestationofthecross.com for details. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com and may God bless you. St. John Paul II said, All forms of missionary activity are marked by an awareness that one is furthering human freedom by proclaiming Jesus Christ. One way you can proclaim Christ is by displaying a Catholic radio bumper magnet on your car. 
Request your free Catholic Radio bumper magnets today. Visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Promote tab at the top of our website. That's thestationofthecross.com. Then click the Promote tab. Thank you for supporting Catholic Radio and helping to spread the gospel message to everyone else on the road. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Welcome back, beloved um, to Mother Miriam Live. I was a little distracted reading something on this end. I'm happy to be with you. This is our half hour together. So feel free to call in with anything at all on your heart, toll free or text one eight seven seven five one one five four eight three or email at mother at the station of the cross dot com. Hold on a moment. We have a text uh, from somebody who writes in anonymously and says, Mother Miriam, why can we not have female deacons and priests? So many people need to receive the sacraments, but not enough priests. And why can we not have married priests? Thank you, Mother. All right. I would normally give you a one or two sentence answer to this, but because it is so utterly crucial in our day, with the Amazon Synod looking to ordain female deacons, even speaking about female priests and married priests, it's upon us. I think it was already determined before, according to the reports, before the Synod even began. It's it's a plot to destroy the church, is what it is. Um, <clears throat> now, in 1994... Um, Pope John Paul II, now Saint uh, Pope Saint John Paul II, uh, wrote uh, an apostolic letter, Ordinatio Sacerdotalis, and it is um, on reserving priestly ordination to men alone. Um, people question whether this was an infallible doctrine, document or not. This teaching is infallible. It's the teaching handed down by Christ. And I'm going to read it to you. It's it's not very long. It's a little lengthy, um, but I'm going to I'm going to read it to you. This is so very very important. Um, <clears throat> he addresses his venerable brothers in the episcopate. He's writing this to bishops. He says, number one, priestly ordination, which hands on the office entrusted by Christ to his apostles of teaching, sanctifying and governing the faithful, has in the Catholic Church from the beginning always been reserved to men alone. This tradition has also been faithfully maintained by the Oriental churches. And I'm going to add to that, you will find nothing else in the Old Testament. When when um, Moses' sister, um, Miriam, uh, wanted to take the leadership, uh, God made her a leper. And not even Moses could be uh, the high priest. It is who God ordained, which was Aaron. 
it, it's always been men. Women do not have a place at the altar. Women cannot be priests and men cannot be mothers. God set it up that way. <clears throat> John Paul says, when the question of the ordination of women arose in the Anglican community, Pope Paul VI, out of fidelity to his office of safeguarding the apostolic tradition and also with a view to removing a new obstacle placed in the way of Christian unity, reminded Anglicans of the position of the Catholic Church. Quote, the Catholic Church holds that it is not admissible to ordain women to the priesthood for very fundamental reasons. These reasons include the example according to the sacred scriptures of Christ choosing his apostles only from among men, the constant practice of the church which has imitated Christ in choosing only men, and her living teaching authority which has constantly held that the exclusion of women from the priesthood is in accordance with God's plan for his church. John Paul goes on and says, but since the question had also become the subject of debate among uh, theologians and in certain Catholic circles, Paul VI directed the Congregation for the Doctrine of the Faith to set forth and and, and expound the teaching of the Church on this matter. This was done through the Declaration Inter Insignores, which the Supreme Pontiff I'm sorry, the Supreme Pontiff approved and ordered to be published. Okay. Um, I could go on with this article, but the bottom line, you know, uh, if you're a mother, you have children, and you tell the children to do this, to that, why, mommy, why, why, and they, why, 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 and they challenge it and they question it. And she tries to answer them, and finally she says, because I said so. End of story. I don't understand, and you don't have to right now, but I said so, and it's your job to obey. Okay, well, that's where we're at. I could go on with this whole article here, um, and and you can look it up. Just type in John Paul II, um, and then just put, uh, ordination of priests, and you'll get this article, Ordinatio Sacerdotalis, um, in 1994. You will get it. It's on the Vatican website. Um, but the the fact is, uh, we could stop at this point and go no further in the article and just say, well, why, 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 why? Because God said so. End of story. We're children. If we don't understand, if we haven't grown into the intellectual understanding to grasp the situation, the spiritual understanding, uh, moral, uh, whatever it may be. Uh, We need to depend upon God our Father to teach us the truth so that we can obey it. We don't have to agree. We need to obey. As long as it's, it's a matter of faith, we must obey. So I'll give you, I won't go further with, uh, this encyclical that Pope um, uh, John Paul II wrote, but you can certainly read it on reserving priestly ordination to men alone. It's the way of the church. It's the way of God. Excuse me. And has been through all of history. Um, God has never, there have been false gods. There have been 
false priestesses, but there has never been a female priest in God's world that he has ever appointed through all of time. So I'm going to end there, because if I read the whole thing, it'll take up the whole program, and um, whoever wrote in anonymously can can look that up. And you, if you don't want female priests, you don't want female deacons. If anyone, because that's a step to the priesthood, and that means the deacon will be able to conduct communion services and uh, give baptisms and anoint, and you don't want females doing that. God doesn't want it. Um, Jesus said that you shall know the truth and the truth will set you free. Nothing else will ever set us free. Only the truth, beloved. There's the music for our second break. We'll be right back after the break. Call in toll-free or text with anything on your heart. Toll-free 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. We'll be right back. Users of iCatholic Radio are leaving inspiring reviews in the iTunes and Google Play stores. Emilia says, iCatholic Radio is the only radio station I listen to. It's my constant companion whether I'm in my car or walking. It's a good way to learn and to deepen my understanding about my faith. It's a source of reliable information of which we badly need in our culture. I encourage everyone to listen and support iCatholic Radio as a gateway to heaven. Another reviewer writes, At last, a radio station worth listening to. Thank you, I love it. And Deepak writes, A Catholic media treasure trove. Spiritually uplifting and fun. One reviewer says, Love it, love it. I'm learning so much about the Catholic faith, it makes me seriously consider conversion. If you haven't reviewed iCatholic Radio yet, we'd love to hear from you. Visit our page at the iTunes or Google Play Store. LifeSite News is an international news agency devoted to defending life and family and restoring Christian culture. We aim to educate and activate our readers with the information they need to fight the most crucial battles of our day in their churches, workplaces, and families. Our motto is Caritas in Veritate, love in truth. We firmly believe that promoting the truth is an act of love, however hard it is to hear. Over the last 20 years, we have built a reputation for uncompromising reporting, no matter the cost. LifeSite News is by far the most popular pro-life website on the Internet, with over 40 million unique users every year and growing. Check us out at LifeSiteNews.com. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. Call Mother with your questions at 1-877-511-5483 or email her at mother at thestationofthecross.com. 
Welcome back. Welcome back, beloved, to Mother Miriam Live. This is our last segment together. We have over 15 minutes, plenty of time for you to call in or text toll-free at 1-877-511-5483 or email at mother at the station of the cross.com. I'm thinking of the email we took, uh, the text we took just before the break where someone is asking why we cannot have female deacons and priests um, and so forth. And um, <clears throat> and I began to read the uh, the apostolic letter from John Paul II to say that the church has said no women priests right from the beginning, all through the Old Testament, all through the New. Uh, we cannot have women priests. And I thought of a, um, uh, and, and as I said, you know, men can argue that they want to have a baby, but they can't. They cannot get pregnant. God made them, didn't make them that way. And God didn't make women to be priests. He made men to be priests. They are to be altar Christus, other Christ. And my my beloved godmother, whose name is Rhonda Chervin, many of you will know her. She's written over 50 books. As she's a philosophy teacher, apologetics teacher, an author. Um, uh, she's been all over the place, and she is uh, a dear, dear soul. She is so deeply intelligent and and knowledgeable that she can answer with the simplest answer. So once I, did I tell you she's also my godmother? I love that woman. Um, uh, and so once she gave me the answer to why women can't be priests. I didn't want to, be, well, it's not true. I do want to be a priest. If I were a man, I'd want to be a priest, but, but the priesthood's not for women. So I don't go that way. But, um, um, uh, Rhonda was saying one day, Rhonda Chervin, that in, uh, on the addressing the issue of women in the priesthood, why did God pick women? I mean, why didn't God pick women? Why did he pick men? Why men only? And Rhonda said, if you were putting on a Christmas play, would you choose a man to play the role of Mary? End of story. Would you choose a man to play the role of the Blessed Virgin in a Christmas play? You see how simple it puts things into perspective? The priests are other Christs. They are other Christs. They are to be that. Um, so I'm going to go on to an, another text from Rhea. She says, hello, Mother. I'm a practicing Catholic in full communion with the Church. I have a friend who is Lutheran. She says they believe in the full presence of the Lord in the Eucharist. If this is true, and the Eucharist is our source and summit, why are we still so split? Do you think Lutherans could ever come back into the into communion with us? And do you see it happening in our lifetime? If so, thank you for all the work you do. You are truly a blessing to this world. Praise be to God. Well, thank you very much, Rhea. Um, Lutherans um, do not believe what Catholics believe, and that is transubstantiation. Lutherans believe in consubstantiation. That means that at the words of consecration, somehow the presence of God is present around the host. Um, but Catholics don't believe that. Catholics believe that the host becomes God, transubstantiated into God, no longer a wafer, no longer a host that contains God, whatever that means. You know, the Spirit of God has 
uh, penetrated. No, Catholics believe that the Eucharist has become God. Um, and um, that's a huge, 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 huge difference. Okay. Um, uh, okay. I have, you know, um, one of our dear souls at uh, Station of the Cross just gave me a, um, a URL, an email, that will help you in this, and it's on Catholic Answers website, catholic.com, um, and it is how valid is the consecration of the bread and wine in a Lutheran Episcopal Holy Eucharist. In other words, it's not a valid consecration. It does not become the body and blood of Christ. Um, again, Luther didn't believe it did either. Um, but if you would like uh, to go further to help your friend, go to catholic.com and then in the search box, type in a con- validity of uh, Lutheran uh, Eucharist or consecration or something like that, and, and you'll bring it up. Okay. Um, Let me see now. Do I see Lutherans coming back in communion with the church in our lifetime? Uh, I don't see it. Uh, I would love it, of course. We would pray for that. But the direction our Holy Father seems to be taking the church in uh, is going to lose that hope because the Holy Father is in favor of giving communion to Lutherans uh, who are not Catholic, in favor of giving uh, communion to spouses of Catholics who are not Catholic. It, it's um, it's an awful, awful situation, and I I don't know that um, I could see that source of uh, coming together in a true way. Coming together to destroy truth, yes, but coming together for the sake of truth, I, I don't know that that will happen. I would love it if it did. We have a third text from Anonymous, who says, hello, Mother Miriam, thank you for checking into solid homeschooling curriculum choices. Yes, and I hope by next week I'll have at least the two top ones we have found to recommend. Um, And uh, this one writes, I was wondering if you have ideas on curriculum for teaching CCD, its supplement... um, for teaching CCD, and she puts in parentheses, to supplement what I am teaching at home for elementary school-aged children. I have pulled my child from our parish's program, which has a Protestant... Oh, come on. I have pulled my child from our parish's program, which has a Protestant teacher and enrolled in RCIA. But, But that she has chosen... Sorry, but that she has also been receiving the Eucharist, which the parish seems fine with, but I am not. I just don't know how children can resp- can receive the sacrament of confirmation um, if not enrolled in CCD. Well, children can receive the sacrament of confirmation without being enrolled in CCD, just as people could enter the church without being enrolled in RCIA. I did not go through RCIA to enter the church. The priest uh, would give me one or two things to read that he thought I might be weak on, um, but I entered, um, 
I entered the Catholic Church without, I'm sorry, I think my eyes are closing, I'm so sorry. Um, I entered the church without RCIA. We have a beautiful homeschooling community here in Tulsa, and their children are confirmed by the bishop, and they don't have CCD. They're taught at home, and they're questioned by the bishop, and the bishop knows they know their faith more than anybody in any CCD class, for the most part. Um, and so you don't have to go through CCD. And if you have to, just go to a different church. Go to a different church's CCD program. Hopefully you won't have to become part of that church if you want to stay in the church you have now, but you may have to be. And um, I, I don't know what would be wrong with that. So sorry for my fuzzy thinking, dear ones. Um we have another email from Dana. Dear Mother Miriam, my question is how to begin the process of trusting God with a wounded heart. Well, beloved, how can't you trust someone whose heart was wounded by you? Our Lord's heart was wounded by your sins, by my sins, by all of our sins. But you are the one that wounded his heart and he died for you. How is that not someone to trust? And she writes, I've recently discovered I have been projecting my own earthly father's inequities onto God the Father. When I was young, a young teenager, my father betrayed my mother in his marriage vows. I was the the one, excuse me, who discovered he was having an affair and told my mother I was just 15 years old. After some time, my parents did reconcile their marriage, but I was left with a bitterness in my heart and a sense of huge betrayal. Well, beloved, you were betrayed. You were betrayed. Um, uh, And the bitterness is from God, but you must forgive, beloved one. You must forgive as God has forgiven you in Christ. According to my mother, she writes, After a couple of years, my parents' marriage ended up very loving after they worked through all the pain and hurt from the affair. But then my father suddenly passed away. I never got a chance to reconcile with my father and was left feeling abandoned. And now, almost 20 years later, I realize I've been projecting this fear of betrayal and abandonment on to God the Father. I know you say that God never leaves us. It is, bec- it is, I'm sorry, that God never leaves us. It is us who leave God. I understand this with my head, but Mother, how can I make my heart understand and how can I begin trusting God with my whole heart? Thank you so much, Mother, for all the Guidance you provide um, us faithful who used it, who need it so much in these confusing times. May God bless you. Well, thank you, Dana. Um, you know, um, I don't know. I wonder if you could reverse the situation. I wonder if you um, have ever hurt someone badly, if you've ever really, really, really wounded them. 
excuse me, I don't know why I'm so tired. Forgive me for this. That's what you get when this is live. You get a few lawns, yawns. <laughs> um, Dana, picture that you have really wounded someone in your life. Uh, your dad, perhaps, because of his life, he's responsible, but your reaction may have wounded him deeply, deeply, and you weren't wrong. But suppose you've wounded someone deeply that you love, and you're sorry for it. You see it, and you're sorry, and you make amends as best you can. But that person, because you've wounded them the way you have or said what you said, they won't let you take it back. You'll take it back, but they won't trust you. They won't believe you. There's still a hurt, a bitterness, a woundedness in their heart. You know you're trustworthy. You just don't know how to make them believe that you're sincere and that they can trust now and that God will heal the broken heart. How would you feel? You would be deeply hurt because you know you caused that, but you'd also know that they can trust you, that you are sorry, that you are sincere. Maybe that's a bit of a situation with your dad. Um, He did make amends with your mom, and uh, apparently um, you could trust him. And the fact that he fell, um, and you're, you're left with this bitterness... I understand it, but somehow you need to ask God, uh, Dana, for a compassionate heart because there's no one who hasn't sinned. And in fact, if that is the worst sin that's ever been committed against you, you need to consider the sin that you, beloved, committed against God. You nailed him to the cross. You caused his death. You say, not me. Oh, yes, you. If it wasn't you, then he's not your savior. If you didn't put him to death, he hasn't come to die for you. And if you haven't put him to death, you're on your own. No savior, no heaven, none of that. And you say, no, no, I know I'm a sinner. I know I've sinned and I've confessed my sin, but they're not as bad as your dad's. But that's not the issue. The issue, the issue is not the amount of sin. The issue is the issue, the matter of sin. It takes one tiny little sin to keep us from God, to separate us from Him for all eternity. So, there's our closing music. I've never been happy for the closing music before, but right now I am because I don't want to fall asleep on you, and it's what I'm beginning to do. This is terrible. So, um, God bless you, beloved. Um, Keep the faith. Raise your children. Love your husband. Love your wife. Um, Live the faith with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now you actually still have the choice. And even a week from now, you may no longer have the choice. That's how fast this is coming upon us. Okay, we'll speak to you tomorrow. God bless you.